All right, welcome to Grace Church. It's great to see everybody out this morning, and uh, welcome to those of you online. If you would, join me in prayer this morning as we get uh, started in the, in the sermon. Father, thank you so much for this time of worshiping you through song, and I pray that hearts were blessed and encouraged, and Father, I pray that that encouragement, that blessing, that um, just hearing from you would continue as we get into um, uh, your word, and as you proclaim, Lord, uh, the message to your people this morning. Father, I pray that you would get me out of the way and that you would speak to your people. And Father, I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts that are ready to receive the truth that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's great to see you once again. And I just want to introduce myself. For those of you, maybe it's your first time here at Grace. My name is Justin Ross. I'm, I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Church. And uh, before we get rolling, I actually want to uh, just take a moment to highlight and to celebrate someone who has just demonstrated faithfulness and, 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 and has been a wonderful servant for a long time, and that is uh, Pastor Keith Elwine. And uh, I think he's standing in the back back there. Keith, if you could come on up. <clears throat> so uh, um, I just want you to know I love this man right here. I really do. And I appreciate his friendship. And he has been serving here at Grace Church, on staff for 16 years. 16 years he has faithfully been serving. So yeah, you can clap for that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. And I, I just want to let you know, um, I think to, to summarize his service here is just the word faithful. Um, man, his fingerprints are really all over the place in this ministry and uh, it's just been an honor to serve alongside him and to be his friend. And uh, we love you, Keith, and appreciate your, your work, man. So, yep, yep, love you, buddy. <laughs> so today we continue this three-week series called Serving. And the reality is, is, is throughout history... God has always used men and women and children who were willing to take great steps of faith to follow God wherever he would lead them. The pages of scripture are saturated with story after story of of people who risked their lives to follow after Jesus. The scripture tells of a, a story of a man named Daniel. Daniel who made the decision to pray in public even though the ruler of his day had passed a law that you were not allowed to pray in public. Scripture tells of those who risked their financial well-being, their status socially, you could say. A close friend of Jesus named Peter, he said this in Matthew, he said, Jesus, we have given up everything to follow you. There, there are people that have literally given up everything to follow the cause of Jesus Christ. The scripture is filled with stories of those who even risked the lives of others to follow God into a future that wasn't completely clear. It wasn't completely certain. A man named Moses stood in front of the Red Sea. The Red Sea is between Saudi Arabia and Egypt. And this man, Moses, instructed thousands and thousands of people to walk into the, the Red Sea as God had it parted. And the reason they did this was because 
there was an, a mighty army behind them that was pursuing them, and they wanted to crush the people of Israel. And Moses led thousands and thousands of people across the Red Sea, risking their lives to follow God in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, it is impossible. Okay, there's not even a slight chance. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. Like there's no other way to make God happy than to live in faith. It's impossible. The main point I want you to understand this morning is this. It takes faith to serve. It takes faith to serve God, to serve people. And so I want to start this morning by asking the question, just answer it to yourself. Do you have the faith to serve? Do you have the faith to serve? Let's consider this question. What causes people to make the decision to serve? Like, what is it that happens in people when they say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to be on the sidelines anymore. I'm not going to be up in the stands, you know, with my beer and my hot dog going, hey, you're doing it wrong on the field, you know. I'm actually going to get out of the stands. I'm going to get onto the field, and I'm going to play. I'm going to be in the game. And the question is, is what causes people to make that decision to be on the field, to play the game? What causes them to step forward to serve, not knowing what the future may hold? What happens inside of someone who decides to spend themselves in service to other people? What is, what you could say, what's the trigger point? What's the catalyst? What is it that causes people to step up and to serve? What happens inside of someone that You know, it causes them to leave a lucrative career to serve in a church. What happens inside of someone when they decide, you know what, I'm going to start a nonprofit, or I'm going to go to a completely different country to share the love of Jesus Christ? Like, what happens inside of people to make a decision like that? What what, what takes place inside of people, and it it gives them uh, the, the willingness, even the want to, to to give their life in service to their country? What happens inside of someone to do that? What happens inside of someone who gives their life to alleviate poverty in the world? You see, we're, we're all inspired when people give their lives in service to other people. We love to hear stories about that. It's inspiring. It's uplifting. It's encouraging. This morning, I want us to look at a story found in the Old Testament writings of Exodus. And I think it'll help us to to understand maybe what happens in some people that causes them to step up and serve. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. So if you have your Bible, you'll, you'll open it up at the beginning. It's Genesis, and the very next book is Exodus. The book of Exodus tells the story of Israel's exit out of slavery to Egypt, hence the name Exodus. It's the story of Moses, okay? One of the one of the great leaders in biblical history. And in this story, Moses had a life-changing experience. Something happened in his life that changed his life forever. Let's read the story. If if you brought a Bible, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The verses are going to be up on the screen. If you don't own a Bible, 
we would love to give you a Bible today. Just go to the welcome table and say, uh, man, I'd love to have a Bible, and we will give you one. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. So let me give you a little bit of a context, okay? What's happening here? Moses was a Hebrew. He was a Jewish man. And he had been raised in Egypt by Pharaoh's daughter. And it's a beautiful story. I would highly encourage that you read this story on your own. It's, it's, it's a beautiful story. But all Moses had ever experienced was the wealth and the education of Egypt. Okay, remember, he's a Hebrew man, and he was raised in Egypt in Pharaoh's home. But Moses was not an Egyptian. He was a Jew. And the Egyptians had enslaved the Jewish people, working them to the bone. They, they were ruling the Hebrew people with an iron fist. This was a, uh, like a hard, difficult slavery for the Hebrew people. And they were building all these amazing buildings in Egypt in the desert heat without modern-day tools or technology. The Hebrews were slaves. And the text says, one day Moses went out to see his own people. He knows he's a Hebrew. He wants to go and see what's really happening to the Hebrews. And while he's watching them work as slaves, he sees an Egyptian beating a Jewish man, beating a Hebrew. The text says, during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. So let me ask you a question. Um, When was the last time that you personally saw, like, up close and in person, a physical beating. Like, some of you might say, man, I actually watched one on UFC last night. You know, I I paid the $50, and it was a good fight. You know, you might say that. No, I'm talking about, like, in person. When's the last time that you saw a physical beating of someone? Most of us, I I would assume that maybe the majority of us have maybe never experienced that. I can think back to the first time I saw someone physically get beat. And I was in middle school. So I grew up here in Durango. I went to middle school on 3rd Avenue, the Smiley Building. Okay, I was a Smiley Saint. Go Saints! All right? And that's where I went to middle school. And uh, actually, this is so random, but we had this cheer when we would play sports. Whenever we won, we would do this cheer, and it would go like this. Oh, oh, orale, chi, chi, chirale, orale, chirale. Saints are number one. All right. Thank you. Thank you. To this day, I still don't know what it means. And I hope I just didn't swear in Spanish. <laughs> okay. That's like, oh, man, I don't know. But that was our cheer, and we hollered it at the top of our lungs. But one day after school, uh, <clears throat> We would actually cross 3rd Avenue, kind of where the Mason Center is. And these two boys got in a fight. And they started to throw punches. And one of the boys slipped and fell. And the other one pounced on him quickly and started to beat him up. I think the kid that slipped and fell probably went to Miller. <laughs> okay. But, uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's still some rivalry there. Come on. This, this is healthy. But in all seriousness, though, this kid jumped on this other kid and, and just started to, to beat the snot out of him. 
And I can remember, like it's seared into my brain. Like I can hear the fist hitting his face. I can see the blood. And this boy that was on the bottom actually got knocked unconscious. And some other boys grabbed the kid that was on top, pulled him off. And to this day, I'm like, man, I don't know if he would have stopped, you know. He was so angry. But to witness this physical beating, you know, something happens when you, when you experience something like that, when you see something like that, like you don't forget it very quickly or if ever. So Moses is watching an Egyptian guy just beat this Hebrew slave. And so he, he uh, sees the smashing of the nose, you know, the fist going into this Hebrew slave's nose, and he sees the spattering of the blood. And this is his people. This is a, a fellow Hebrew. And Moses got to the point where he couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't take it. The sights, the sounds, the blood, it was too much for him. And something snapped inside of Moses. And verse 12 in Exodus chapter 2 tells us what he did. Exodus 2.12 says, After looking in all directions, okay, Egyptians still beating the Hebrew, he looks around in all directions, and then Moses comes to the defense of the Hebrew, and he gets into a fight with the Egyptian. And, and verse 12 says, and he killed the Egyptian. And he hides the Egyptian's body in the sand. He snapped. He couldn't take it anymore. And he comes to the Hebrews' defense and he kills the Egyptian. See, Moses saw the enslavement and the abuse of the Hebrew people and it took him over the edge. And he couldn't take it anymore. So now let's fast forward to Exodus chapter 3. Moses um, you know, the context, once again, he had to leave Egypt. He had to run for his life because he was going to get in big trouble for what he had just done. So he runs for his life. He's hiding in the wilderness. And, and now in Exodus chapter 3, Moses comes to a bush. He sees a bush off in the distance. He walks up to the bush. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed. So he sees this bush. This bush is not burning up. And all of a sudden, he hears the voice of God. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Listen to this. I, God, God is speaking here. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. And then it's not written there, but the idea is, and Moses, I'm going to use you to do it. I'm going to use you to lead my people out of slavery. And I believe, I believe God is saying, Moses, that day that you felt the anger like you had never experienced before, when you saw the Egyptian guy just beating the life out of that Hebrew slave, the things that you've seen, Moses, the things that you've heard, I want you to know, Moses, I've seen them and I've heard them as well. And I'm just as frustrated, I'm just as angry as you are. And guess what, Moses, I can't take it anymore either. And Moses, I'm choosing you to do something about it. I'm choosing you to step up and to serve in such a way 
that sets people free from bondage. And Moses, I see the passion in you for your people. I see a man who cannot just sit by and watch people enslaved or beaten up. And I see what it does to you, Moses. And I know you want to take action. And I've been looking for that. I've been looking all over and I've found the man that I want. And I'm going to use the frustration. I'm going to use the anger. And I'm going to use it in a positive way to set my people free. You know, it's my humble opinion that it's experiences like this that cause people to step up and to serve. I I believe God uses people's, uh, man, horrific things that they've gone through, you know, horrible things that they've seen and heard and experienced, and God uses those experiences for good, to bring about good change. And I believe many people make the decision to serve because They can't take the current situation anymore. I just can't sit by and watch. I got to do something about this. I got to step up and serve. I can't be on the sidelines anymore. And then all of a sudden they get this desire where they want their faith to become works and they don't want to be just hearers of the word only. They want to be doers of the word. And all of a sudden they step out in faith into kind of the unknown God knows, but we don't. And it takes faith to step out in such a way. So I I want you to ponder this question. And the question is, is what wrecks you? Like what, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Does your heart break for the people around you? When you see brokenness around you, does it, does it break your heart? Does it wreck you? I would venture to say there's probably a lot of Christians, they would not be able to give a good answer to that because they are so entrenched on easy street. Like they are so comfortable that they're like, gosh, I, I actually, my heart doesn't break for anything. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not messed with at all because my life is just plush. Like it's just so easy. You see, often there's a tension inside of us, and this tension is what can propel you to take action. Consider King David with me, another man in the Old Testament. You can read his story in 1 and 2 Samuel. When David was a young man, maybe 17 years old, the age of my son Isaac, David's father told him to take some food and some supplies to his older brothers who were in the army. And they were getting ready for war against the Philistines. And David, go, uh, he gets to where his older brothers are. And when he gets there, he sees this big giant named Goliath. And he, he's standing in the middle of a valley. And he's mocking the people of God. And he's mocking the God of Israel. And just um, saying anything and everything. He's just trash talking the nation of Israel and the God they serve. And this giant is a big dude, okay? He's not just big, but he's tough, he's mean, he's a warrior. He's a bad dude. And the army of Israel is frozen in fear. They're unwilling to act. And David hears this barbaric giant bad-mouthing the God he loves, and he can't take it anymore. Like David sees this, this army, he sees his brothers, he sees a lot of uh, uh, great warriors, and they're standing there in fear. And in his mind, he's like, what are you guys doing? 
Like, why aren't we stepping up to this? Why aren't we going to fight against this? And everyone is saying, because he's nine feet tall, David, all right? Have you seen his arms? They're like as big as my thighs. That's why I'm not stepping up, you know? That's why I'm afraid. But David knows he has to take action. As you read further into the scriptures, the next thing you see, David is running full speed towards Goliath. And the only thing he has is a slingshot and five smooth stones. And it's been taught that, you know, why did David grab five smooth stones? And there's a belief that Goliath had four brothers. So he grabbed five stones, one for Goliath, and he had four more stones for the forehead of his brothers if they caused trouble. Like David had this incredible faith. He was ready. God sees this raw, untamable passion in David. And as he's charging Goliath, he throws the rock from his slingshot. And like a laser-guided missile, it sinks into the forehead of Goliath. And Goliath falls dead face down onto the ground. The scriptures say that David pulled Goliath's sword out and cut off his head with his own sword. You should read it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Kind of, I'm like, man, this is like Braveheart kind of stuff. <laughs> Young people, that was an old movie with, uh, yeah. Yeah, ask your parents, can I watch Braveheart? And, okay. Man, I'm dating myself. One more example from scriptures I want to share with you. Consider Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, it's one of my favorites. It's an incredible book. And here's a man who had a good, plush, paying job. He was a cupbearer to the king, which means like he had anything that he wanted, basically. So he had a lucrative career. I mean, this guy was set. One day, Nehemiah gets bad news that back in Jerusalem, his hometown, the walls had been broken down. And his hometown, the city of Jerusalem, was on the verge of being devastated. And he heard that neighboring countries were mocking the God that he serves. So Nehemiah thinks about it, and he he receives this news, and he thinks about it some more. And when you read Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2, you'll see what Nehemiah does. And what he does, he's an an incredible leader. This, this, this great man, Nehemiah, the first thing he does is he breaks down weeping. He breaks down weeping for Jerusalem. And he thinks about God being laughed at. He thinks about his people being destroyed. He thinks about families just being devastated and he can't stand by and watch anymore he has to do something he has to serve and so nehemiah risks his life by going to the foreign king and he asks for the king's resources which was incredibly bold and he asks this foreign king to fund the rebuilding efforts and nehemiah when you read the book of nehemiah he leads one of the most Incredible reconstruction efforts in all of history. Incredible story. So many things for us to learn from. 
But what I believe what led him to make the decision to serve was he couldn't take it anymore. I just can't stand by and watch this. I got to do something. He had to serve. And so I ask you again, what wrecks you? What, What breaks your heart? See, Martin Luther King couldn't stand racism and all the racism that was happening in the 50s and 60s. He couldn't take the whites-only signs that were hanging on the drinking fountains and on the restaurant doors and on the bathrooms. He couldn't stand the fact that blacks had to sit on the back of the bus or that they couldn't sit at the same counter at the breakfast restaurant and have some pancakes and eggs at the same counter that whites could. He couldn't take it anymore. And so he made the decision to serve, and it cost him his life. I want us to, just just very briefly, I want us to consider my life for just a moment. And please know, I'm not putting myself in any of those people's categories, all right? I'm, I'm much lower than that. But I want you to know that I was born and raised in this town, Durango. I grew up in this community, in this region. And this region is full of brokenness. This region, Durango and Bayfield, Ignacio, Pagosa, Cortez, it's full of broken homes and and people who are spiritually broken. And we've seen, just in the last couple years, we've seen many, many people make the horrible decision to take their lives through suicide. And when I look around this region, I see a lot of brokenness. But you want to know what wrecks my heart the most? What breaks my heart more than anything? Is I see a bunch of churches in this region that are full with people who are extremely inward focused and self-absorbed. Churches filled with people that couldn't care less about people far from God. And I'm to the point where I can't take it anymore. Like, I want to be a part of a church, a movement. I want to be a part of a group of people that does everything in its power to see families restored and marriages healed. And a group of people that truly loves and serves its community. And we don't have any strings attached. We just serve humbly. And we love willingly. A church that sees people changed by the power of the gospel, not once or twice or maybe even 15 times a year, but on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Like we're seeing transformation. We're seeing lives changed. But the question is, Do we have the faith to serve? Do we have the faith to go? You see, it's scary to step out in faith. That's why it's called faith. Because it's scary. You're you're stepping into something. It's uncertain. It's unknown. And not many people are willing to do it. And I believe it's because we like comfort. We like for things to be cozy. We like to have the feeling that it's everything's safe. And we enjoy safety, and we don't want to be uncomfortable. 
But let me remind you, remember what God said? This is the living God. He said, the only way to make me happy, the only way to please me, is through faith. And I'm making a commitment to you again today, and I made this commitment many years ago. But as long as I'm your pastor, I'm going to do everything in my power to get you to walk by faith. Because anything short of that, in my opinion, is unacceptable. We don't want to walk by sight. We want to walk by faith. I don't know, this might be a weird transition, okay? But I'm going to transition. Right now, I actually want to invite Trisha and, and Kristen Pesca to come up. And they're going to honor some people. We've been doing this throughout this series. And I don't know about you, but it is just so fun. And it's so easy to just celebrate what people are doing. So they're going to come. And uh, they're going to honor some people who are serving. And they're doing some things about the brokenness in our region. So uh, take it away, ladies. Well, I am super excited to get to honor um, one of the ladies of Grace Church here, who I also get to call my friend. Um, This lady has put in hours upon hours upon hours volunteering her time here at Grace Church from um, GLS and walking alongside of me and serving there um, to anything that we need here at the church. If she's asked... She tries to make it work into her schedule to be able to help. And this last um, weekend actually was a perfect example of an amazing time that was um, spent by so many ladies here in Grace Church that wouldn't have happened without her help. So last week, um, Pastor Keith had everybody, when we um, brought up our volunteers, to stand up and cheer them on and hoot and holler for them because when you give as much time as they do, it is worth us celebrating them. So if you guys would help me um, and cheer on Tanya Basie as she comes up here. Yeah. going to brag some more on her here. Um, Tanya has put hours and hours into our ladies retreat that we had our ladies refresh this last weekend. And it's not just this last week that she put that time in. It was in preparation for the last couple of months. And she did it last year. And she did it the year before. And she's helped for Ever. <laughs> I can't think of a ladies' retreat that Tanya has not um, helped to put on. And to just see the growth that takes place when somebody's willing to take that step out of their comfort zone. Um, the comfortable place for her is, you know, the behind the scenes and helping and being up here. She hates me for bringing her up here. Um, she'd much rather be behind the scenes. But you know what? She has stepped out of her comfort zone in leading, um, leading discussions, praying, being up front, just really being an awesome mentor to the ladies of Grace Church. And um, it wouldn't have happened if she hadn't taken those first steps of serving years and years ago. And we've got some pictures of our awesome 
weekend that, again, would not um, have taken place if she hadn't put in so much. So thank you again, Tanya. Well, my name is Kristen Pesca, and I'm a small group leader here, and I would like to thank, and for us to thank, Kara Filardi. So let's thank Kara. Kara, come on up. <laughs> so Kara and I are rather new to Grace Church. We've been here less than a year, and we've been involved in a small group together, and we discussed the weekend message. And so around January, when Justin started talking about serving, of course, we discussed it in our group, and we said, what is going to be our application? How are we going to put this into practice? So we prayed about it, and Kara had a conversation with Katie here at the church. And Kara serves in a very important role that's behind the scenes, and it's something you may not know about or you may not have seen her do, but she helps keep us safe by cleaning this building between our services. She's the one who cleans the door handles, the bathrooms, uh, sprays the spray, the spritz spray, and to keep us safe. And that is the way that she puts her faith in action to serve. And it impacts all of us. So thank you, Kara, on behalf of the church for all of the ways that you serve us. Well, Kara is also leaving us. She's moving on up to Boulder at the end of this month, and so uh, we know that she will continue to put her faith into action and serve in Boulder, wherever God leads her to her new church and in her new community. But we'd like to take this opportunity right now to send her with our blessing. So would you please extend a hand towards her as an action saying we do agree, we send her with our blessing and with God's blessing. So, dear God, we pray, we thank you, first of all, for Kara, for your great love for her, for her great love for you, for the faith that you have worked in her and the way that you have individually and uniquely gifted her and given her a passion and a broken heart for specific people and specific things. And the way that in her faith she has stepped out to act, uh, to do what she can uh, about the things that you care about, Lord. God, we love Kara. We thank you for the time that we have had her, um, that I have had her here as a friend. And uh, we pray that you will continue to bless her and guide her, use her, and uh, create a home and a family, a community for her in Boulder. God, we thank you for Kara and for your heart for her and her heart for you. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Amen. That's, that's fun every time, I have to admit. I really enjoy that. And, you know, I'm going to finish this morning, um, the message this morning, by just sharing some practical thoughts in regards to serving. And I hope that it will encourage you, that it will um, even inspire. But my hope is that it will act as somewhat of a guide as well when it comes to serving and I want to start out by saying um, that, uh, you know, not every social problem that happens in our communities, in our region, is your personal assignment. 
Listen, we, we should be wise about the way that we serve. Because the reality is, is every single one of us has been gifted. Every single one of us has the ability to serve in some way. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you've committed your life to Christ, we, we should be looking for ways to serve. We should be looking for opportunities to serve. And so I want to encourage you this morning is to ask yourself, what is that one thing? What is that one thing that, that, that breaks your heart, that God is stirring within you? What is that one thing that grabs your heart and it just won't let go? That, that one thing that leads us to that moment where we just can't take it anymore. And we ask, God, what do you want me to do about this? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do about this? And so I want to encourage you this morning with the question, what is your one thing? What's your one thing? Let me give you a great idea, a great place that you can start. And I, I honestly believe that sometimes it takes practice. Maybe that one thing won't expose itself until you, you start just walking forward in faith. But a great place you can start is right here. Next Sunday, we're going to gather. We're going to gather at 9 a.m. next Sunday morning right here at Grace. We're going to gather, for those of you that live in Bayfield, we're going to gather at 9 a.m. at Eagle Park. And we're going to pray together. We're going to receive a quick word of encouragement because um, we really believe that meeting together is an important part of feeling like the church is in this together. Like we want, we want that to be true. And we also know that going out and serving, it's always a spiritual battle. And so we want to pray for you. We want to pray over you before you go out and serve. And plus, there's going to be donuts, okay? All right? There's going to be donuts here and in Bayfield. So 9 a.m. next Sunday, uh, we're going to meet together, and then we're going to go out, and we're going to serve our communities. We have different uh, service projects lined up, and I think this is a great place to start, to just start walking forward and say, man, I'm going to serve and I'm going to look for opportunities. And I just want you to know you can do this. You really can. And we're going to do it together. The last thing I want us to consider this morning is the importance of wisdom in serving. So when you step out and serve, I I would say on on the front end, like serve Sunday, it's going to be fun. I, I don't foresee any uh, difficulties. It's going to be fun. People are, it's going to be well-received. And my opinion is, is there are different levels of service. Like that's kind of level one. But man, when God leads you to serve in a more difficult way, when you decide to serve, when you decide to spend yourself on behalf of others, you have to remember that that one thing that wrecks you can wreck you. That one thing that breaks your heart can break you. And you can get to the point where you're overwhelmed. You can get to the point in, in, in serving that you're beat down. And I've, I've seen a lot of servant leaders actually throw up their hands in despair because they became overwhelmed and they gave up. But see, the wisdom part in serving is this. You need to know when and how to fill your tank. You you cannot be serving out of an empty tank. As a matter of fact, the the way the Lord wants it to happen, He wants you to serve out of the overflow. Like He wants your cup to be so full 
that the overflow is spilling on people. All right? But man, when your tank is empty, it's not going to be good for you and it's not going to be good for the people that you serve. Even Jesus took time to rest. Even Jesus took time to be replenished. And if you continually pour out with never being poured into, it will hurt you and you'll end up hurting other people. And usually it'll be the ones that you're closest to. So remember, that one thing that wrecks you can wreck you. So you've got to keep your heart in check. You've got to keep your tank full. So this morning, I would say it's time to make some decisions. That's one thing at Grace is we try to lead people to make decisions. We don't want people to sit on the fence, okay? No fence riding. We want you to make a decision. And maybe you're here this morning, you're like, Justin, I, I just need to focus on filling my tank. Like, that's, that's me. I feel like I'm kind of running on empty, and I want you to know that's okay. That's okay. We want this to be a place where you can get your tank filled up. And, and we're, we're going to do our best not to guilt you into serving. But I, I would say the majority of us are probably in a different place where maybe we're just hesitant to step out in faith because it's risky and it's a little bit scary. And so maybe you need to step out and you need to sign up to serve in a ministry here at Grace. Maybe you just need to commit right now, like, I'm coming next Sunday to serve Sunday because they got donuts, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm coming next Sunday. Maybe that's what you need to do. I'll finish with an invitation, okay? The invitation is this. And I say we because it's not just me. If it's just me, we should all walk out of here right now. But it's we. Has to be we. We want you to join us as we impact this region with the goodness and the kindness and the love of Jesus. I'm inviting you to join us in that effort. And it's going to look a variety of different ways. It's going to be scary. It's going to be messy at times. It's going to be an adventure. It already has been. It's going to continue to be. But we invite you to join us as we impact this region with the goodness and the kindness and the love of Jesus. And we want to do it together. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for, man, just people who are wonderful servants, who give without any strings attached. They just want to honor you, God, and they want to love and care for people really well. I just pray that you would stir within us a desire to serve and to just shower people with kindness. The scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So, Lord, I pray that we would shower people with that kindness and they would see the love of Jesus in us and the goodness of God would be displayed. And, Lord, it would be like a city on a hill. This region would no longer be a dark region spiritually. It would become a light. Lord, we pray for that. We ask that in Jesus' name.